Hey guys, welcome back to episode 13 of Raw Influence. This episode is brought to you by Samuel and Co Trading, who is our lovely sponsorship on this episode. Guys, do not forget to head up to events.samuelandcotrading and go check out the March 3rd event where we will be at the Ilex Centre in London talking from everything trading, live trading, investing, entrepreneurship and motivation. So guys, make sure you join us at that event. And thank you so much to our second sponsor, Yeti Casters from Blue Mics, who are lovely enough to sponsor us with these mics that we're, we're, we're having audio troubles with at the moment, but it's all going well. They're good, they're good. We're 13 episodes now, they've been well used, haven't they? Um, so guys, I have got um, Adrian, obviously the mindset coach here from Samuel and Co-Trading on the show with myself. And I've got Radders on the show, and um, some of you guys will know this guy as David or Dave of Redband. Radband? Radband. Radband. Yeah. Uh, he's a, a legend, and we're going to find out a little bit more about him on this podcast. So thank you so much for um, coming down and joining Cheers us. Cheers for having me, mate. Yeah. Appreciate it. No worries. So this kind of podcast rolled off from me and you when we met each other at MCP, man. Yeah. And um, was like, right, we need to do a podcast and, and sit down after speaking with Ollie and Foxy. And I thought, let's just do it. And yeah. Here we are now, and let's let's crack on. So we've got we've got Adrian who's here. I thought, you know, with some of the topics that we're going to talk about, we won't ruin it for everyone in the podcast, but um, and give an insight. But I thought it'd be good just to get an insight from yourself and being here as well. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I've worked with some people with PTSD before and had good results, so I'm just interested to hear your story, yeah. where you come from, how you're handling it, and uh, yeah. what sort of methods you've used to actually deal with it, yeah. and see how we can uh, help you get over that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. But before we do that, let's hear your story. That's, um, I'm a big story person. I where love you, hearing stories. Where do, you, where do you want me to start? Just when you was born. Sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oxford. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Do you want me to but, start with a bit about my, my background as in the military? Yeah, let's go, um, let's go straight into that. Joined the parachute regiment, uh, one para, when I was 16. Um, and then went to battalion. Um, I went on my first tour in Northern Ireland in 2005. And then shortly after that, deployed to Iraq on my first tour, which was Special Forces Support Group then, okay. which is in support of the SBS and the SES. Okay. Uh, that mission was in support of the SES. And that was a task where we rescued Norman Kemba. Norman Kemba was a, a Red Cross worker that was taken hostage with a few other people in Baghdad. And we went and rescued him on that on that wow. tour, which was a good one, good one at such a young age. Amazing. Um, went on to multiple tours throughout my career, ended up doing 10 tours altogether um, in a 12 year period, which is, yeah, which is busy man. quite a lot. Not yeah. all six-month tours, but yeah. the tour's a tour, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and that was in recce platoon. I spent most of my time in recce platoon, which is patrols, gathering information, living in bushes. And is there many bushes out there? <laughs> well, you, you dig in the sand, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go subsurface, and it's like a it's like an oven. <laughs> yeah, it's well, isn't it? Horrible. But <clears throat> no, in Afghanistan, it's more long-range patrols in vehicles. Um, and, yeah, gathering intelligence, as in scrapping the Taliban and yeah. seeing what weapons they got and yeah. what their strengths are like. Um, yeah, and then I left in 2014. Um, well, I say left, I got discharged because oh, I was found out I was taking steroids. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, so I was discharged. I wouldn't have thought they were discharged for that. Well, this is the, this is the thing. A steroid is a performance-enhancing drug, and the one I was taking is called Nandrolone, which is Decanate, which okay. repairs your muscles overnight. Um, a lot of lads take it nowadays because it, re it repairs you overnight. And in such a you know hardest job, yeah, it's um it's something that can so can one help you really. Asked, was there more people in your kind of squadron or battalion? I don't know what is Mate, what's the correct term. <laughs> what's the, was that the correct terminology? But like loads of blokes, yeah. Yeah. But the crime's getting caught, isn't it? And I got caught. Um, the time I got caught, I actually. So it just repairs your muscles, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and um. Yeah, I, I don't see it as a problem, really. You know, if you start taking a lot of steroids, there's going to be, the, you know, the, the behavioural problems with, it, yeah. with anger, etc. Um, and we're angry people anyway in the military. Yeah. Um, aggression is, yeah. is torture. Um, so that can be a, a problem. But when you're taking something to repair your muscles as a performance-enhancing drug, performance-enhancing, yeah. you know, well, I don't see a problem bad. with it. But um, yeah. But it was against the rules. I broke the rules and paid the price. 
they're not just like, right, don't do that again, slap on the wrist, kind of. No, no. Was it caught out on tour then, or at camp? No, at camp. See, there was a, there's a lot of us being kicked out at the time, and it did go round saying, if you caught, you are getting kicked out. So I should have taken notice of that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But I thought I could get under the system, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and. And then your life pretty much came to a stop, I'm assuming, when you left. Yeah. Did you go down the route which most do, which is like the private security? Yeah, and... went into private security, yeah. Um, but I think that's where all the problems started for me. Really? Re like the real problems. Um, you're, you're kind of, when you're in the military, everyone's got that mindset of being a little bit touched, as we call it, a little bit off the chart. Okay. So what you think's normal, people will think is... It's not normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's what you get conditioned to, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I see lads now mm. that have got problems, but they just don't know it and they, they deny it. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. They don't have to face it. I'm them. waiting for them to have a big fall, you know, and then you've just got to be there for your, yeah, be there yeah. for your bros, aren't you? And, mm. That's the thing, isn't it? Making yeah, sure just keep checking them. on them, yeah. I mean, especially when you go for that like denial stage as well, but you know they're there, but you just can't do much yeah. about it. Yeah, and that's, I was in that in that stage yeah and then sure. so you went on and did your the, the private security and then where was the kind of well i stopped doing um i went doing the private security and then i worked for a company in london um doing surveillance okay so i was doing surveillance all over europe on targets um wait privately yeah but when you say on targets, I mean not for like like to be taken out kind of targets, or just like no. to, to monitor. Them no, just monitor them. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like Jason, like Jason Bourne maybe or something. Yeah, I had to I had to do some surveillance on some targets across the whole of Europe. And uh, <laughs> for what? <laughs> I, I, was, I, I was in Lithuania for six months on a target out there. Really, just and, watching them. And that's when I started noticing dramas big time. Because I had so what, much in their life that you was watching? Or well, I was watching, no, in my life, because I was watching, I was thinking, i got issues. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. supposed to be following someone here, and i got issues. You wanted um, to pull the trigger. Yeah. yeah. The, well, it's not only that. There's so much time on my hands where you're waiting for the target. Yeah. Because you get, you've got, get like a... Um, line gets busy, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and you have too much time on your hands, so you start processing stuff. And when you're mm. processing it, you start analysing it, and you start overthinking things. And before you know it... The footsteps are getting louder. Mm. You know, and that's the thing, isn't it? Especially like I'm, I'm just been really stereotyping here, but like, for example, you're watching someone. I assume you just sat in a car with like loads of bags of snacks and coffee. Oh, mate, and you know, yeah. And yeah, just well, some of the time we got. So what, how we used to do it was we used to get a um, a hire car, take all the stickers off it so it looks like a normal mm. car, throw like your kids' toys or a few like mm. you know things in there, baby seat in the back with a bullet camera in the side of it, park it outside the target's house. And we got on our laptops in a, in a flat that we rent out. It's on a, a movement trigger. So when they open a door, it, it alerts us basically. Yeah. And we see where they go. And one of us runs down to the car, gets in the car on a vehicle follow Yeah. But you can end up in another country. So you have to take a bag yeah. with like basic <laughs> yeah, essentials in. <laughs> can we ask what, what you're surveying these people for or not? No. Okay. <laughs> no. I'll probably get in trouble for that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's not like uh, <clears throat> on that scale, like surveillance is in like, is it, you're talking like corporate surveillance is in your surveilling people over corporate matters or potential uh, risks in, in regards to like murderers and that kind of stuff? Like what, you know, just as a scale of things. So generally, not just that. Like, well, there's a bit of everything, really. Really? But, yeah, jobs come in all over the place. Um, that target was for the Kazakhstan government. Bloody hell. Okay, so it's yeah. top, stop, 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 stop. A lot of people, they, they hire private people, don't they, to go in. To go and do it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you didn't have anyone, like a, a, a rich Russian family paying you to um, spy on his, like, you know, his mistress or his wife or something? I was like. actually spying on rich Russians. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they've been caught now, so. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah, that's yeah. not bad, so so was that fun then, or is it? Did you just not like it? No, it was fun. Once you get onto a follow, it's fun. But when you're sat around in cafes mm. all the time waiting for a target, I mean, you could be the trigger waiting for the, the target to come out of his work, and you've got cut-offs left and right. So you can say, right, target's out and left, and then the left cut-off knows to, you know, watch out for him, or, you know, you tell you what he's wearing, yeah. and then they pick him up. And you can be sat in a cafe for hours. And that's what I mean by the time you're... That's a lot of coffee, isn't it? Yeah. 
We just look really, you just look really weird, didn't you? Yeah. Like that one guy. Yeah, you got to act like you're working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just sitting there on like Facebook or doing something. Yeah. yeah. What are you up to? Working. Yeah. Straight. And I suppose, obviously, on that, I suppose it's a completely different mentality to actually being in the army because even though you've got kind of support people with you, like you're saying, if they go left or right, if you don't have that kind of, you know, they're right next to you, we're doing this together all the, all, all the time. It's yeah. you know, very spread You spend apart. a lot of time on your own isolated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when your mind gets And busy. you could be like, you know, there's times when I was in Lithuania on a target on my own for, for a week and being on your own in the country where, you know... You don't really know, yeah. Texting's all right. But you don't get, you know, if I text back home, it's not the same as having a conversation like we are, is it? Yeah. You don't get that. Yeah, you don't get that. Feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the hard So that's when I found it very hard, yeah, and that's when I started noticing the footsteps getting louder, yeah. And how, how long did you do that for? I've done that for about a year and a half. Okay. And you just thought enough? Somehow. I just stuck it out, yeah. I was in the denial stages. Mm. Um, and just tried to, tried to forget about it, as everybody does. You try and just get rid of it and... Mm. How did you manage that? I didn't. You didn't? No, I didn't, no, no. It just got got really bad and I started getting myself into a lot of trouble in my in my off time. Right. Um, yeah, I, just, I went off the, um, I just went off the rails, started drinking a lot. Yeah. Um, everyone does that really, don't they? Like, the soldiers, they just tend to yes, yeah. drink and... Not Ben says. Yeah, and then drinking led to, to I started doing drugs. Mm. Um, yeah, and then I just started getting myself into a lot of a lot of trouble, scrapping and yeah. And where did that all end up? Me in prison. <laughs> How long was you in prison for? <laughs> two weeks. Oh, I'm not to say it's not no. that, not too bad. Um, it was over Christmas though, which was oh. Christmas Day. I had a, That's a hell of a present, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, my cellmate, well, bloke next door to me. Made a curry in a kettle. So Christmas Day, I had a curry in a kettle. Yeah, okay. winning. And what was you? What and that was kind of a wake-up call for me. Was that just for that like was on remand? Okay. So they put me on remand, um, which I can see why they didn't now. Looking back, you know, at the time, very angry, um, a lot of hatred. Yeah. But I could see why they didn't. They put me as a risk to, to the public. Yeah. Um, I can see why they don't know my skill set. Yeah. I know a lot of lads in the army. So that you know, a lot of them say, "Oh, you know, we're, we're not. We know the difference between a war zone and being back in this country." But do you in that mindset? Yeah. Do you know the difference it's between training? Them? Yeah, you, you. You can see. You, you know, could, it, I can see why they put me in. Put me in there. Yeah, I've seen. I've seen slight signs of PTSD from a couple of friends that were in four rifles. Um, yeah. And they were they got pretty battered out in uh, yeah um, 2009 they took a hammer in yeah yeah and so a couple of guys I know lost quite a lot of friends out there and then when they came back you could see it like yeah it wasn't the best thing they're wild guys like yeah I mean, I mean wild like I've never seen guys go out clubbing like it ever like my mum actually said like you Minutes guys don't stop. Obviously, I had lads back to um, to my my hometown before at Bryce Norton, right next to the, camp, the RAF camp. Um, and she said, "Once you finish a drink, you lads don't put the empty glass down and just have like a little chat and a mm. you go straight back to the bar and get another one. You've always got a, yeah, a yeah. drink in your hand. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no gap. There's no gap. Yeah, it's just yeah. constant belt fed. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, I think that's the whole mentality, though, isn't it? Of everyone being around together and. There is, uh, you know, you're not really there for this. You're socialising the whole time, I suppose, aren't you? So you just there to just get bladders. But drinking's a massive thing in the army as well. But is I used to drink. Do you think? I used to drink every night of the week when I first joined the army. Mm. We used to go out in Cardiff every night of the week. Really? Get back at five in the morning, have like a couple of hours of sleep or an hour of sleep. Get our running kit on and go out for a run. Yeah. Oh, and is that just because that's what the done thing was? Yeah, yeah. Jumping jacks on a. Naked Tuesday. See, I'm a bit of a pussy like that. I can't do that. I just, I just can't. I'm not jumping jacks. I can't jump I can't drink every night. I, I, even when I was at university, I was just like. I couldn't know. I used to be that boring guy that just used to sit in my room. I was like, yeah, I'll come out once a week. I, I like, can't actually remember. We was on a course down in Hyven Lid, and it was a patrols course. So, like, um, but it was to do with cameras, so take, taking pictures because you have to take pictures of targets and. Things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we said, oh, we'd go out for a curry, but in this curry house, it was an 18-year-old's party, and we, we crashed it and just got on it. 
<laughs> but we had like a, it was like a log race, stretcher race and a two miler the next morning. Yeah. Um, and we rocked up back in our, our officer had left and locked, a, locked us out of our rooms. We had to crack a window, get in, get changed, got down there and we were still, still pissed. Fucking and we ended up breaking the record. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why she probably like throwing up halfway down the It was honky, yeah. <laughs> like dehydrated and everything. The mentality is completely different, isn't it? Like what what's what's the social environments like? So you went through all of that, and then when did you kind of hit the major issues and side in your life? Yeah, well, um, so I keep saying last year, but it's um, it's not last year now, is it? It's um, two years ago. Um, I tried to kill myself twice in in that year. Yeah. So. I just got to a point where footsteps were getting louder. Um, I was getting into a lot of trouble. My parents were, you know, I was falling out of my parents, I was falling out of everybody around me, really. It's almost like I was pushing people away. Did you live at home with your parents at the time? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was married. Um, well, I said I'm married um, with two kids. And Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's another story, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. So, and um, my wife. In, didn't deem it for me to be safe around the kids at the time, which again I hated it at the time. But I can see why she didn't know. Yeah. Um, and I respect that because she was thinking of my kids, so I do respect that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I went back to my parents, and yeah, I was just being a hand grenade. And then one night, my parents were were away, and they sensed something was wrong, so they come back and found me hanging out the loft, um, and they managed to cut me down and revive me. I woke up in my mum's arms. Yeah. They managed to revive me. So yeah, that was the first time. Um, and then the NHS like kind of took control of it, like the uh, the crisis team, if you like. And did you find that they helped? No, no. Um, what I feel, and I think a lot of people will agree, is the NHS will diagnose you and give you a title, and that title will be a process that they have to follow. Yeah. Um, they don't treat the person; they treat the the, yeah. the title. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you put, every, you know, if you fill this room with you know, people with PTSD, everyone's going to be different. Um, yeah, and they didn't really help. It was almost like I was just going to see somebody to tick boxes. Oh, I get that. Um, there's no, there's no like relationship there. Yeah. Um, and the, the time I noticed that, I went to see the psychiatrist, and they said, "So what you've been doing?" And I started spending time with my kids. And they said, well, what are your kids' names? I think you've been seeing me for months here, mate. Yeah. And you don't... Ends up pissing you off more. Yeah, it did. And I walked yeah. out of that one because I just felt like it was just ticking boxes. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And then on the 4th of July, yeah, I stabbed myself in the stomach. Yeah. Um, Why stabbing? It just felt like the thing to do at the time. There's no actual, to be honest with you, it's all a bit of, because you're in that mindset, there's no real, I can't really remember why it was. I can't really remember much about it. No honestly. real reason. Yeah. You got to a point, yeah. <coughs> I just can't really remember much about it, if I'm honest with you. It was just instinct. As opposed to cutting your wrists? Don't know. I think it was just because I had the knife there and just... Okay, so you didn't think about it? No. Oh, I can't think no. about that, that's mental. That yeah, I was just having a... That is in, like, when you're talking like a knife, are we talking like uh... Yeah, so you see the scar there. Yeah, um, I was lucky. Yeah, I was bleeding out um, and I was lucky. Uh, I hit an artery, but I was lucky I didn't hit any organ. Oh, yeah. I was able to stop the bleeding. Ugh. Like the old, what's it called? Who was I? Harakiri. Yeah, okay. Well, no, they make sure they go in one side and pull it across, so, so they make sure everything drops Har out. Yeah, Senpuku. Senpuku is a proper term for it. Japanese soldiers, you know, they got caught, that's what they used to do. Horrible, isn't it? Where did you stab yourself? I mean, not, not where, but where were you physically? At home. So everything seems to be at home? Yeah. Were your parents around then? Yeah, no. No. So it's while they're away again. Yeah. Um, been, been isolated and alone again, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So where was it? Yeah, so yeah, I stabbed myself. Um, and then all, that, that, this is kind of where the relationship with um, Ollie and Breakpoint came about. Because Ollie reached out to me. Is out of the blue? Because I started blogging on my Instagram yeah. about the hard times. And, um, and when I was struggling, I was actually blogging about it because I thought, it's kind of like what a Navy SEAL did. I can't remember his name. But he killed himself and donated his brain to research for traumatic brain injury. Oh, yeah. So he shot himself in the heart so his brain could be used in science to prove that soldiers get blown up to have a traumatic brain injury. Um, it's something to do with the blast going up your nose and affected in the front of your brain. Um, Prefrontal cortex, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started blogging. So I thought, if I'm, you know, if I'm, at this point, I thought I was actually, you know, I thought I was going to die from killing myself. It was just a matter of time, you know, yeah, when. Yeah. So I thought I'd blog about it and hopefully people can see that, you know, yeah. You need help, like, lads need help. Do you think that was you crying out? Like, as in, like, that was, I like, think it was a bit of everything, really. Yeah, crying out, um, pleading for help, because the NHS just weren't helping. It's so scary, isn't it, when you think like that, like the NHS weren't helping. Um, I, think you're, I think in the military... Um, that's what I think it is. You get 16 hours, <coughs> uh, it used to be, something like 20 odd years ago, it used to be 16 hours in, you go up to North Wales, and yeah. go and see a psychiatrist geared for it for something like 16 hours, and then you're let loose. Yeah. If it helped, it helped. If it didn't, that's it. You got. Well, I actually went to. I actually went to the military. When I, the first, so going back to 2011, I was on a mission and I got blown up, and it was the fifth time I got blown up um, in a vehicle. Um, and I can remember getting back to camp, and when that adrenaline had gone, yeah, yeah, and that sense of alertness. Um, I can remember having a moment where I cried, and I, th I thought, what the, what's this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't even want to be out there anymore, and that's kind of when... You had that moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I went to, my missus, my, my wife, she said, like, you need to go and see a medical officer. So I went to see a medical officer, and he said, you just got like, aggression problems. So I'd see somebody for aggression for a little while, and then... My missus said, there's being angry and... Yeah. What way do they think you had aggression problems? Like, you, haven't really, you haven't done anything at that point, have you? No. No, they just said it was yeah. just for answering the questions. It was angry, but I think that was me hiding. Answering the questions? I, yeah, I was answering the questions incorrectly, yeah. I was trying to hide it, because I knew once I got You're diagnosed... You myself, do you? <laughs> no. But then, but also, I didn't even know what... I didn't really know much about post-traumatic stress then, because it wasn't taught to us. Yeah. So these signs and symptoms of post-traumatic stress, I didn't even know what they were. I thought that meltdown in 2011 was just having a moment. Oh yeah. I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't even think. Quick, oh, question I've got: Why did you answer the questions wrongly? What would have happened if you did correctly answered them? Because I wanted to stay in the stay in the reg. And uh, how? I wanted to keep operating. Yeah. So, how many years you're in there? Twelve and six, twelve years. So twenty-eight. So how old are you now, young? I'm thirty-four now. So you've been out six. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So at that time, you had no idea where you were going to go if you got kicked out. Yeah. That's right. It's like Catch <coughs> 22, isn't it? Because, you know, like, if you're in the forces and you've got problems, you're never going to answer it rightly, are you? Because no. your job's gone, your livelihood's gone, and you're not with yeah. your mates anymore. That's pretty was much it. Was it the, the only thing you ever wanted to do as a child? Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. Right. Because this is all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. My parents said, before I could even say the word, I used to call it an army. To say I'm going to go in the army, so they knew I was always going to go in the army. Um, yeah, and it's what I, what I always wanted. And yeah. since I was 11 years old, I wanted to be in the parachute regiment. Wow. Um, it's so did you never get ranked up in that? Yeah. What did you get to? That's corporal. Okay. Did you ever want to go higher, or was that just? No, I was kind of happy where I was, to be honest. Okay. I've done everything I can to get out of promotion. Yeah. I, just... I saw I saw on your <laughs> I saw on your bio you sent over you had. Um, you had uh, at the bottom of it. You said that you was it was oh, what was the term? MID. Pardon? I ordered, I've ordered an MID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in two thousand nine, I was uh, again isolated away from my unit because I was in charge of an eight Afghan special forces team. I was on my own with eight Afghans going around Afghanistan, different regiments, or, um, and supporting them. Okay. And we were almost like a recce force. So we were sent into areas where no one had been before. So the Afghans are like a friendly face rather than British soldiers coming in and no one talking to them. Yeah. So they can engage better and they know they know what's going on in their hometown. The same as you can sense something's wrong in your hometown or yeah, something's out of place. Yeah. Um, and my team had just been, um, or my teammates had just been killed, three of them, 
um, on the 6th of August 2009, so I went back for the repatriation of that. Um, spent a bit of time in camp, chilling out, talking to the lads. Then I redeployed to the Welsh Guards. And um, as we were coming into land, the helicopter door gunners were going ballistic, and I thought, something's going on. What do you so mean going ballistic? Like? Just giving it big licks, shooting, yeah, out, shooting, firing their weapons out, out the side of the, the yeah. helicopters. So as soon as I landed, could hear a contact going on, so I went into the ops room to see what was going on. Um, and I heard a left leg amputation, so I knew one of the lads had stood on an ID. And while they're in a firefight, they can't deal with that casualty. They've got to deal with a firefight before they deal with yeah. that casualty. So I knew a lad was in, he was in need, yeah. really. And being a special forces support group operator, um, people kind of look up to you and I have that. Yeah, well, almost all I've, I feel I had that responsibility on me to go and do something about it. So I got my team of Afghans. Yeah. And I actually wore my parachute regiment t-shirt, a maroon t-shirt. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I thought I was going to die. Oh. I thought, I thought that, you know, I sensed something was going to go wrong. Yeah. Um, I think in my head I was telling myself I'm going to put myself on the line for this guy. Um, Did you know him? No. No. So I found out where the contact was. There's a place called Route Dorset and Abdul Valley Calais. Taliban used to come down Route Dorset and attack us. But it used to be in Abdul Valley Calais as well and transit across and fight down. Okay. So I walked straight into the middle with my team to draw the fire away from that team so they could deal with the casualty. And I'd be scrapping the Taliban and they can deal with that casualty and get them out of there, which worked. So I was scrapping with the Taliban then. But then I knew the helicopter's gonna have to come and pick this guy up and that would be the next target. Yeah. So I flanked where I thought the Taliban were through a maze field. And as I come through the maze field, I see all the Taliban. So I got my team up and we smashed them with a weight of fire and not one of them got hit. <laughs> I was like, geez. Um, and I see him run into a compound. Not one of the, the, not one of the Afghans got hit? Not one of the Taliban. Oh, so Taliban. No, we didn't kill any Taliban with that. Yeah, the Afghans aren't very good shots. Bless yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and they ran into a compound. And to assault a compound is a bit of a ballsy risk. Yeah. Because they're going to put out IDs. Yeah. They're not going to make it easy to get, to get to, but I knew I had to do something. So I got on the radio and said, I'm going to assault the compound, and they were saying, don't do it. Yeah. And I basically said, I'm, I'm going. And I said goodbye to the lads on the radio, because I knew some of the Welsh guards, because I've been with them before, previously. I said goodbye on the radio, and I, I assaulted the compound. The helicopter come and picked the guy up, and he was, um, he was saved. Wow. Mm. So I got, got written up for a military cross for that. Um, got an MID. Fair play, fucking hell. It's a bit emotional, isn't it, that one? Yeah, Jeez. but I thought I was going to die that day. Uh, people say to me, did you think I'm going to die? And yeah, but if I died, so be it, I saved a guy. Did you get to see him afterwards? Yeah, I got a Christmas card off his family oh. a couple of years later, yeah. Um, yeah. That's nice, isn't it? And I'm still in contact with a lot of Welsh guards, a lot of the guys that were there that day. I still talk to them, they, they follow me on my Instagram. Well, they fucking um, respect that, don't they? Mm, Do you know what I mean? It's hard yeah, not to. Yeah. Do you not get in trouble, though, for going past... Was you in... I suppose because of your rank, were you then... Was there no one that you had to answer to? Yeah. I had to answer to, um, obviously, the Welsh Guard officers. But because of my position yeah. within that team and coming from the regiment I come from, they kind of look to you for support sometimes. Yeah. And after that, they stopped the whole going out on your own with with the Afghans, because if I got, in that whole period of operating with the Afghans, I knew if I got shot, I was screwed. Yeah, because they're fucked, aren't they? they the they're Afghans like... can't use my radios, because we won't give them that technology. Yeah. Um, and, our, and our encryptions. Yeah. They can't say where I am. They can't give me, like, you know, the medical yeah. supplies that I need. Why did they only give you, like, one person with them? Why wasn't there a couple of you? Don't know. We should have got a couple before, to start with. Yeah. So yeah. So two of us started going up with the Afghans then. Because I heard when um, talking to the guys in uh, Four Rifles, they were saying when we was out there, some of the, the vehicles weren't even have, they didn't even have the correct armoured yeah. uh, gear on. It's like some of the stuff they're saying that if that vehicle gets here, it's done. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing stopping it. What they would usually have or deploy with. They said that they felt that, that some of the the transport vehicles that they were in weren't up to the standards that they should have been in, in the war zone yeah. in the first place. Well, the Vikings at the Royal Marines used to go around with it and horrific with, with IDs. A really? lot of lads were getting killed in those, yeah. Yeah, some, some of the vehicles were, weren't very good, to be fair. 
yeah. But the, I was at, when I spoke earlier about getting blown up in 2011, Bushmaster, I thought we were going over a speed bump, it was just like a little... That's what it felt like. Yeah. And it didn't do anything? Well, I didn't know what was going on to start with. <laughs> we got, blown up, we got yeah. blown up and then I thought, what's, that, what's, what's happened? And they said we'd just been blown up and then obviously it gets heightened then. Yeah, yeah. But you was okay, generally. Everyone was yeah, right they said, Yeah, everyone, everyone was fine, yeah. They're an Australian wagon. That's insane. Um, and they were just fully, well. that was just fully geared up to be able to withstand that. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. And some of the other ones, like you're saying, just if it was another vehicle that went over it, that's it, right? Yeah. Done. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't understand why you go out with like half, like half well, look at the, yeah. Look at the jackals we used to go in. No, only arm wraps are, you know, they're open top, just a roll cage around them. Yeah, that's a fucking point. And before that, they had no armour on them at all. It was just open. Nuts. Crazy, isn't it? That's the military for, isn't it? What a crazy story, though. Fair play to you, man. Don't yeah. fund, don't, don't put enough money towards funding, do they? It was yeah. a thing years ago. You <coughs> didn't have enough left boots or something stupid. Yeah. Remember, you didn't even have the... Well, they changed your body armour and helmets. I mean, we had decent helmets and body armour in my unit but that comes under because it comes under the special forces yeah budget yeah it's a bit more right yeah and our weapons are a lot better but look at the normal army how many ch times they've changed their body armor and helmets i wouldn't in, know. in the you know the war, war on terror sorry, if you like yeah loads of times yeah just stick with one helmet that's decent one set of body armor it's decent yeah yeah rather i mean than when i rocked up at these units when i was with the with the welsh guards they used to say why have you got that kit and I was, you know that's a bit weird trying I'd to love you to have this kit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's just under our budget. Yeah. Crazy. So, uh, what, a, what a story that is. Mental. But yeah, it was, um, it, was a, it was a good time. It was a good time. And I was doing what I'd love to do. Yeah. But then, as I say, when the footsteps are getting louder, this is all the, these are all the things that start yeah, coming back. You know, I'd be... I'd be holding my wife's leg sometimes yeah. when I was asleep and squeezing it. And I'd obviously wake her up, but I didn't even know I was doing it. And so I know a few people that, that go through that. I know. I, I, I won't name them because I don't think they want me to, but I know a few people go through that, wake up, get night terrors and stuff like that. that yeah. Been in the forces and that kind of, that, that area of things. I think that's normal though, but it's understanding that's normal, right? Yeah. 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 And this is, all, this, is, this is what I'm trying to get out there now. That it's, all, yeah. it's okay to be like that. A couple of guys that did tours in Afghan that came back and was walking around the town centre, a balloon would go off. Pop, they'd, try, they'd hit the deck. I, had, I actually had it once. I'm from Oxford, and okay. you know, the area, and we don't hate me, but I used to go hunting. Um, and I was walking across the field with my um, with my mum my and my grandpa, and a crow scare went off, and I was in the ditch. Mm. When they looked round, I was in the ditch. And they're, they're loud. loud. And it's instinct. They're loud. They yeah, loud. of course they are. Yeah. Yeah, and it's instinct when you're, mm. when you're yeah. like that. So, so, how are you dealing with it all now then? Well, one sec, let's go, because you got to the point where that's when Ollie reached out to me. That's it. There you are. Good, that's yeah, good, yeah. We kind of went off track there, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, we went off track, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so I started blogging on him, uh, my Instagram, and Ollie reached out to me. Um, and said, well, you can have to break point and see what we're doing. But at that time, another guy called Jamie Sanson reached out to me, who's part of Rock to Recovery, yeah. Jason Fox's yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, charity. Um, and he said, come down and come down and we'll, we'll see what we can do with you. And I thought, you've got nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, if I'm honest with you, I thought it was just going to be another, another repeat of the NHS, if I'm honest with yeah. you. I had no faith in that system at the time. And... Um, this was separate though, this was set up by veterans, with veterans wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I went along and they'd done the EMDR? Yeah. Yeah. Eye movement, desensitisation, repatternisation. That's it. <laughs> but it takes you up back to the moment and they take you back to the moment. It's, it is emotional. Um, I cried in that, in, that, in that session. But when they started doing the eye movement, it just dropped out of me. It was just like something just dropped out of me. And he noticed it in my eyes, Malcolm, the, um, the guy. Um, and he said, what's just happened now? I said, I don't know. I just, it's like it's just dropped out of me. Yeah. And I felt completely different after that one session of doing that EMDR. It was almost like a, yeah. it was almost like something had just gone out of me. Yeah. yeah. Um, amazing. 
and don't get me wrong, I still struggled from that point, but it, it just seemed that little bit easier and it gave me that little bit of faith that I can... Sometimes you just need that little bit of faith to, to realise that you can get through it. Yeah. Because when you're in that hole... You, you're on your own. Yeah, and you just don't think you can get out of it. Yeah. And I honestly thought I was going to die from... You know, there was a time where I thought I was going to die in war because that's what I wanted. That's what I ultimately wanted was to die in war. Really? Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen to me, yeah. You wanted to die in war? Yeah, that's how I wanted to go, yeah. Yeah. And I thought that's how I'd go one day. Fucking hell. That's how I thought I'd go one day, yeah. That's how you thought? Is that what you wanted? That's what I wanted, yeah. And then, is that because of your mindset or that's just generally what you thought was the right thing? Just what I thought was the right thing, yeah. Fuck I don't want to die. I didn't want to die an old man. You know, in the mindset, the mindset I was in, I didn't want to yeah. die an old man. Telling my war stories. You know. That's crazy. Go out and fight him. Yeah. Yeah. Have a warrior's death, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, the, obviously, the mindset I'm in now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The mindset I'm in now. Got a sandbag for all the grandkids, mate. And <laughs> tell them a few war stories. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, yeah. Yeah, you um, a bunker in the garden and everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. That is crazy, isn't it? Um, what journey? But yeah, you, sometimes you just need that little bit of you do you, that you, little bit of hope, faith. Breakpoint, I suppose, brings you all back together to the kind of commander. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, and do you know what? That's um, that was a massive, another massive thing that's helped me out, and I can't thank Ollie Alton enough for it. That getting me back around the lads and being around people that are open and able to talk about their issues. Yeah. Um, it's been awesome, and in a way, Ollie's helped me talk like. Ollie's helped me realise that it's okay to talk about my yeah. issues. And he's guided me a lot through, more than he knows anyway, through... Um... They're both, they're both of them have gone through similar things. And I think, do you know what? It, most people that I speak to in the military that have deployed, both my cousins um, yeah. served did tours in Afghan. <coughs> uh, they're in uh, Catrick. Um, mm. Yeah, Catrick Garrison, yeah. So they're yeah. Uh, both Thomas and Jason Clark. They both um, did tours in, uh, as well. And... I think every one of them, you know, family, non-family, friends, they've all got something that when they've been out there, I, that's, nat- that's got to be natural. You know, if you've got loud bangs going off, you've got bullets, you've got tracer bullets flying past your heads or whatever, yeah. or you see them, it, it's going to bother you. Yeah. It's not, I think it would be nat- it would be unnatural for it to not bother you. Yeah. Well, since I've, um, since I've let my guard down, if you like, yeah. taking the body armour off, let my guard down and start feeling emotion, um, obviously the thing in the army is you block emotion out or yeah. you're taught to block emotion out and not feel it as yeah. such um, or when you do feel it you deflect it and you... but since I've kind of taken that body armour off and broken that wall down and changed my changed my outlook on emotion and started feeling the emotion um, I've just seen a different different side different mindset in what way? Well, one of the things was mind, my mind-based identity. Um, I can't go into too much detail, but I went away somewhere recently, um, and the only way I can describe is opened your mind up. Yeah, like my mind-based identity has kind of gone, and it's it's like the rebirth of my true self. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you've got to see it from like an outside perspective, right? That's kind of what happened. Yeah. So you kind of got to see yourself from the outside perspective to go. It's actually, you know, I've come to terms with where I'm at, where I am in life now, and that whole kind of experience, which I'm sure will come out later on in, in the coming months, and we'll make sure that we'll give yeah. a plug and let everyone know how to, how to listen to it, because it's a crazy story that yeah. I'm sure we'd all love to hear, but not for now. Yeah, but yeah, I was always, being in the mindset I was in, uh, in the military, and then coming out of the military and going through the struggle I was going through, mm. I was still trying to be that person I was in the army. Sure. Because going back to what I was thinking, that, that's when I was at my strongest. That's what I thought. Sure. That's when I was at my, you know, that's my strong mindset. Yeah. When I was a soldier, I was very strong-minded. Um, so I was always trying to be that person. And essentially, you're being a fake person, aren't you? Yeah. You're not yeah. being who you are. Have you done the prison test? No. <laughs> He's still fucking going to lie. Nah, I actually really want to do it because I find it really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I done mine and it's it's pretty it's pretty spot on. I'm not going to lie. Did Did you think it was wrong? No, 
No. I, I probably didn't want to talk about it, but it's just like, it, it's exactly, <laughs> I, I, sh- I showed my brother and I showed a few people that know me quite close and they're like, that's you, spot on. I'm like, yeah. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah it is. But I think um, like, it's good though, because if you, like I was saying, it lists your positives and it lists your negatives. And once you're, it, I like how it, it lists more of your positives than your negatives, so yeah. you don't feel like a right twat, you know. But yeah. on, on the negatives, when I'm looking at them, I'm like, yeah, do you know what? I know those, I know those points, the points that I need yeah. to address about myself. So yeah. I think, yeah, definitely do it. I'll be well keen to know. <laughs> <laughs> you should do it. Stick that on your Instagram. Positives, negatives, <laughs> coming to terms with the real. Yeah. <laughs> Be a good pace, that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but but that, that's the issue that you have with the military. And, and tell me if I'm wrong. They, whenever you go in there, they don't know what they've got in front of them. So they break you down mentally, emotionally, physically, and then rebuild you into a fighting machine that's capable of doing this, that, and the other, taking orders, giving orders. It becomes what I call a program, an operating system. How you cope, how you manage, how you deal with things. Yeah. And to wipe your emotion away is makes you a fighting machine, yeah. a killing machine. If you're if you're looking at a woman, and you think uh, sh- I shouldn't be pulling this trigger. Bang! She's got a, a flipping grenade. Boom! Yeah. You don't have time to think. So when you shut your emotions down, you desensitize yourself. So when that all ends, because you're in the fray, you're you're in these tours, you're going around doing this stuff. It's you. And that's where mentally you are the strongest. So when it all, because of drugs, oh shit, I really shouldn't have done that. Now I'm back in uh, the land of normality where everybody else is dealing with their life. You're still switched on. And so the only way you can cope with it is to get drunk or to do drugs or, or get violent because then you can use your skills again. And to actually desensitize yourself and come back to being what you'd term a normal uh, civvy human being yeah. is difficult. And that's where people have a coping problem. Yeah. And then you're having flashbacks. Then you're seeing things going back. So you, do you have nightmares? Yeah. Do you I relive still, events? I still, I still do, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully we can clear that for you. Um, and, and so you still relive him, which is strengthening the neural network to those memories. So you're still going to have them and putting your hand on and, yeah. and the bomb going off or the, or the crow scare, boom, you, yeah. you react because it's a program. That's what kept you alive. Yeah. And that's what always yeah. goes in. Yeah. What's interesting about that though is that whole programming side and then relating that to Breakpoint, that brings back the same feelings but in a safe environment. Yeah. And so you yeah. see the, the double whammy. You but the point like, is, yeah. although you know it's a safe environment, some part of you twitches yeah because you can't turn that off that's you know, the issue um things like cars backfiring yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was at, I was at back in the summer i was driving there's a boy race car come coming towards us and he, as he went past his car backfired yeah and for a moment it takes you back to yeah, yeah. that yeah. sense of alertness that yeah. heightened yeah yeah that heightened alertness yeah, yeah. Do you think as well, because obviously, say like, there's a massive difference between like 1960 to 1980 military where you used to write your family members back home, but now, and stuff like that, you can Skype, you can, yeah. you have video. Can you do that stuff now? You can, can't you? You can video back home and... What, when you're out there? Yeah. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you a story about that, which is quite a nice story, I think. Yeah. On, on that note, though, you can, can you do, can you text and phone? Yeah. See, that's the thing then. So then if you text and phone him in camp and you've just had that emotional connection just talking to your, your missus, your kids, yeah. how are you, I'm good, and then, right, we're going out. Yeah. You, trying to switch off then, it's going to be 10 times harder than if it was just a written letter. Me and my wife kind of fell in love through, through Skype calls and, and phones, because as soon as I got back from that tour is when I proposed to her, wow. which again is hard because you're trying not to be emotional, but... I mean, I didn't even get down on one knee, but... You what? You didn't get down on one knee? No, I did it on Skype, sorry. So, <laughs> yeah. Comfort zone, sorry. Here it is. 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 Fucking rolling around in the in the dirt and the, the after and yeah, yeah, get yeah. down the one knee. Well, don't it, tell it. Her that. <laughs> <laughs> she still bleeds it. Oh dear, my God. That's what I was thinking because I was thinking it must be ten times harder because you, if you go away, you like you know you, you, you leave everything at the door when you go and deploy and you're out and 
you leave everything there. It's in my mind that's like if if I'm saying I'm putting being theoretical. If that was me, uh, cutting it off there, I, I don't think I could Skype. What do you think to this? Though? Talking to loved ones whilst I'm out there. In the World War, they were constantly out there fighting. They didn't come home. They didn't come home. Go five back, years. Come back. Yeah, you know, five they, years. There was, they weren't coming back all the time. They're out there fighting a the war. That was it, and they knew that's what they had to do. Yeah. Whereas we we're constantly in transition. Yeah. In my eyes, we should have just stayed out there, fought the war, got it over and done, we've come back. Yeah, yeah. But the constant transition, I mean, there's been times where I've, I've been in contact with the enemy. 70, less than 72 hours later, I'm back in, you know, back home uh, having a pint. Yeah. It's, yeah. a, it's a, almost unreal, isn't it? It just doesn't seem... Yeah, it feels like it's a, you're living a double life, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, so there's that constant transition all the time. You're having to constantly be in one environment to the next and your emotions being pulled all over the place yeah. and lads do get in trouble lads yeah. are... well that's it so some of them um, I got a guy came back from tour and he just went and um, I quote me if I'm wrong I, I won't mention who it is just in case but I'm sure he reached out on Facebook and messaged me but he came back and he beat up everyone that ever bullied him at school he came back off tour and he went around and he just beat all of them up there was like six of them and yeah. he got he got arrested for it yeah it's like, probably because he thought they were like you know you still you still had that adrenaline you still wanted to he probably still wanted to fight so yeah. he thought well, they're the back, ones I'll, I'll go and I'll get go yeah. get them yeah yeah it's crazy because it? a constant transition where do you think you would have been there now if it wasn't for um, it's it's rock to recovery and yeah. um, without um, <coughs> well I actually messaged him because um, my mindset's very different now um, very different and I look at things completely different you know, from a different aspect anyway. Um, I messaged Jamie Sunson and Foxy and Ollie uh, before Christmas thanking them because I said if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't be here now. I probably would have tried again yeah. and kept trying until I did. Yeah. Because what I find with, um, with post-traumatic stress is you can, have, you can have highs, be completely normal, then just wake up one day and yeah, everything's different or have that trigger. Yeah. That's one thing I found as well was finding a trigger. And alcohol was a bad one for me. Mm-hmm. Things used to come out with alcohol. Yeah, well, it, the, what did they used to say? It's uh, but people get drunk and then you suddenly see the. It takes down the barriers. Yeah, uh, but so many lads are in a cycle nowadays. And I look at. It, it, I had a mate the other day who reached out to me. She's struggling at the moment. Yeah. Um, and he reached out to me and he said, I, I spoke to him for a little while. He goes, "Right, I'm going to go and get drunk now." I said, "Mate, it's not the answer. Yeah. So get, it's not. It's not the answer. You're just going to. You're never going to break that cycle." Yeah. And I stopped drinking, and my head's a lot clearer since I've stopped drinking. And I find I can manage like the nightmares because that's the only real thing I get now is nightmares. I don't really have flashbacks. Do you ever um, feel like you you got like uh, Do you feel like there's a chance you can fall back into your old ways? Relapse. Yeah. Like yeah, a, yeah. See, relapse is a scary thing because I never want to go back to that mindset. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure as long, you know, if I keep doing what I'm doing, staying on the right path, not. And this is another thing I found. I had a real bad relapse uh, one time because I was trying to walk the rope, so to speak. I was trying to stay online. Yeah. And when I felt like I was going off, I was trying to stay on it. Yeah. Um, when really we should let ourselves go every now and then. Yeah. Just go with it. If you're feeling down, just go with it. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to bring yourself onto that. Because you're also lying to yourself again, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. And I, the more I stayed on that line, the worse it got. Yeah. And I had a real bad relapse. So it's all learning your behaviours. It's all in the mind, isn't it? It's, it's like trying to take control of your mind on your own rather than following something regimentally. Yeah. And just going with it. Take, take those kind of hard times with the good. Understand that it's natural, it's human. And just follow yourself. I mean... If you if the PTSD world, I think ever since Jason <coughs> Fox started to talk about on national TV, I think that was a absolute. That's the turning point, I think, for veterans. I think so too. Just like Holly Ollerton says, um, it created that ripple effect. Yeah. Um, throughout the country, and I think that's when things started to change. Yeah. I think it's yeah, no, and talking about it's perfectly fine. I don't I don't see it as. Um, I don't see it as like a massive issue. I know that some of the guys, it's the whole manlyhood, the brotherhood. You would have thought that with the kind of relationship you had with the guy next to you whilst you're out there, you would be able to talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah. You would Bloke, have thought that, wouldn't you? Blokes tend not to. Yeah. But, but this is another... It's, it's not manly. You know, man up, grow some kahunas. Women talk about the problems, but blokes don't. Yeah. 
They yeah. will never, if I'm running a course in here and there's a, a, a one or two women in there, I say, right, anybody got any issues? All about goes, they all look down. They won't acknowledge they've got an issue. Girls, yeah. oh, I've got some, yeah. We spoke about it before, didn't we? Um, about macho. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've it's got it's an image, it's a stigma that goes with the military, yeah. especially with the special ops. Yeah. You know, you've got to, you can't see, you couldn't see a, a special ops guy breaking down and crying. Oh, hang on a minute. Ooh, that, that it doesn't fit with the role. Yeah. So you, 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 and it's when that breaks down that you, you, but what you is world being a, start falls what is apart. Being a man? I mean, yeah. what does it mean to be a band? When I, I, I always had a regret that I never got to say to my mates that I love them and I appreciate them. Um, and then, actually, the first guy I told that I love him for a long time was Ollie. I was actually. How did he take? I was that? actually. Let, let, it's a bit late well, he just burst, on He just burst out laughing because uh, it'll be in his book, I'm sure. I yeah. think. <laughs> but I was led on bed recovery, and I'd been bitten around the ankles, and I'm scratching like that, and I went, I "Love you, mate." <laughs> and he said, "Hello." Oh. <laughs> You're right. He, he thought I was doing something else under the cover. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you this. Listening to your history and the things that you've seen, you've suffered, and the things that keep getting triggered, and you said that mindset, if you could have the perfect mindset now when you think about that, what would it be? How, how do you want to live now? That's a good question, actually. That's a very good question. I, to be honest with you, I'm happy the way I am at the moment. Um, no, that's not what I asked. <laughs> Don't go round it. Yeah. <laughs> Answer the question. Where's the perfect, stick? There is no perfect mindset. No. But yeah, there is. For you, how would you want to be? How do you want to feel? Yeah. Don't say there isn't because that's that's the uh, the the hospital's how talking. How do you want to feel? How do you want to feel about all? How do you want to be now? I'd like to understand. Have understanding of my passes. More understanding, more understanding of why why I was like I, why I was in that why I was like I was. Um, yeah, I'd like to have more understanding. Right. Um, that's 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 a knowledge base. That's fine. What about feeling? How would I want to feel? Yeah. At ease. At ease, really. at ease, neutral. Yeah. At ease, at ease, yeah, neutral. Right, neutral. Do you know what? I wouldn't actually want to feel neutral, actually. Okay, but well, your it's words, not mine. Because everything I've done up until this point is who I am, and it's all been a lesson. Life's a lesson, isn't it? Yeah. Life is one big lesson, and this whole process that I've been through has made me the person I am now, and it's all been a lesson. And everything I'm, the person I am now is I've. It's because of these lessons yeah. that I've had. And to kill myself, to try and kill myself twice and mm -hmm. survive, I think, a gift. Um, and, okay. I think, and I think it's a gift. And I, I think I have got a gift where I've survived that and I've been through this emotion. And I can pass, pass it. I can only pass on what I've been taught to other people and help them out. So I wouldn't want to be neutral or forget about anything. No, I've no, 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 I get that. Um, That's why I said it. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to keep what everything I've been through. Yeah, I wouldn't want to erase You that. learn from it. It's a learning. Every experience is a learning. Yeah. Which is going to be my question. Why did you try and take your life? So you've learned from that. So you want to be, you want to be at ease with it, but you don't want flashbacks, do you? You no. don't want to have these re-triggering no. things that re-trigger it. No. But I'd like to keep the memories, though. Yeah. You'll always keep the memories. Yeah. You'll never lose the memories because yeah. they are setting. What we'll do, hopefully, is to take the the energy that's attached to the memories. Yeah. A memory to be stable, <coughs> good or bad, positive or negative, needs energy through the neural network. Yeah. We can cut that so you don't have the energy, but the memory will still be there. But the emotional trauma the negative stuff attached to it won't be. Yeah. So you can sort of be objective and look at it and go, yeah, it's, it's like a cloud. I can see it, but I can't get in contact with it. I can't touch it. Yeah. And that's how really you want to be. Yeah. I suppose as well, from your point, looking forwards, you know, you've got, how many people have reached out to you to talk about that? Oh, a lot. I actually put up a poster a couple of days ago because so many people reach out to me 
How yeah. many roughly? Do you know a lot. But so when you look at it from that point of view, just in that aspect, I suppose from your point of view, you'd be like, if I wasn't here, I wouldn't be able to help these people now. Yeah. So it's quite enough. That's why I think it's, I've got a gift now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let me ask you this. I know you've got the gift. You want to be in this at-ease place. Zero to ten. Zero, you're at-ease. Ten, it's the worst you are. Where would you be on your scale as you think about it now? About six, seven. Seven is the higher number. All right. All right. It's okay. If we get that down to a zero, you'd ha be happy, wouldn't you? Yeah. I can talk about my things, and I'd feel I have to talk. Well, I don't have to, but I want to talk about it, because yeah. I've had friends kill themselves. Yeah. They've actually killed themselves, and I think I've got a duty to talk about it now. Yeah. to help other people, to stop my other mates from killing themselves. And I've... you have that capability to be able to do yeah. that as well, just by being that person to reach out to you go, yeah. Jesus, this guy has been there, done it, he's done 10 tours, he's gone through it, he's talking about it, it's okay for me to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that's what I put a post up the other day saying, the world's too big, and it will consume me if people keep reaching out to me, because I've still got problems myself, and people, because I put posts so much on my, um, on my social media, my Instagram, about what I go through, I think people think that I'm cured, mm. but I'm not. Yeah. I'm just putting what my my teachings are. Your work in progress. Yeah, yeah I'm not cured. Um, well, I don't like the word cure because that sounds like you've got an illness. Yeah. You don't have an illness yeah. or a disease or anything else. Yeah. You've got symptoms and yeah. problems that need but, um, to be dealt with. And people don't see that. No. And when they reach out to me, I've got constant messages. You know, and some people saying they're going to kill themselves. And I feel like I've got a duty to, to answer back to them if they say they're going to kill themselves. Yeah. And it, the world's too well, big. A, that's a cry um, for help. They don't know where else to go to. You're talking about it. Yeah. I can I can associate with yeah. what you're saying. What do you so do? I get that. Do you take their phone number and just give them a call? Yeah. Or I just talk to them on my Instagram. Wow. And But I put a post up saying that the world's too big and it'll consume me. If I keep going through this and having that pressure on me, it will consume yeah. me at some point yeah. and I'll end up being Overwhelm. a problem again. Yeah. And it, it could send me back to... Well, yeah. I don't know. It could do. Um, so I just put things up there now like Samaritan's this number. You can yeah. text this number with shout. Uh, there's yeah. a number you can text nowadays with shout in capital letters, um, yeah. and people reach out to you then. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of people, a lot of things out there. Does it bother you these guys reaching out to you? As in, does it like to have a negative effect on you? It has a negative effect. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Sometimes it gets. Well, it's down, like yeah. a responsibility because it's constant. Because it's, I feel like I've got pressure on me. Then yeah. I've got to talk to them. So if I'm playing with my daughter or my yeah, son, yeah. I've got to drop what I'm doing with them to message because I feel I've got to message that person. Then. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and because I get so many messages. So guys, please don't reach out to him. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no. It's it, people have just got. To, what I say is reach out to the people that are close to you. Yeah, yeah. Because they can help you. They know they can help you more than I can. Absolutely. I don't. Does Rock to Recovery help veterans with PTSD? Yeah. So you can reach out to those guys as well. Yeah. Rock to Recovery. I actually put a lot of people in touch with um, Rock to Recovery. Amazing. That's what I usually say to the lads. If the lads reach out to me, I usually say, get in touch with Rock to Recovery. Or I message Jamie Sanson and say, look, this lad's struggling, here's his number, can you text him? Yeah. And They just need that, don't they? They need that part. So we've gone past about an hour now on the podcast, <coughs> so we're getting to the end of it. <coughs> you've gone through that. I'm not, it's nice to know that you're in a, in a good place in your mind now and you're helping out at Breakpoint, you're pointing these guys in the right directions. What's next for you now? Obviously, you've gone through this entire crazy yeah. journey. What's I'm going to bring out a book in June. Um, yeah. It's going to be called Back From The Dead. Amazing. Um, it's not going to be military orientated. It's not going to be gobbing off about what I've done in the military. It's also going to have some military stories in there because that's... That's who you are. Part of it that's, yeah. Um, but it's going to be based on mental health and transition helping lads transition from military life into the civilian world. Yeah. Transition period's hard, and I think it could, there's a lot of lads that think they've got post-traumatic stress when they haven't. It's just, yeah. that, it's just that transition. It's fear, isn't it? It's, you know, going, you know, this one, Fox was saying on the last one, he says, when you're in there from your 16 and you're there, you, you know, all you've ever known is to be yeah. living in camp, you've never had to have a house, you've never had to feed yourself, yeah. kind of thing. You know, you can't do the basic stuff or getting a flat yeah. and renting it and all the rest of it. It's yeah. big steps. Comfort stuff. zones. Yeah. And we always talk about comfort zones in the, in, at Breakpoint. Yeah. As Ollie says, short-term discomfort for long-term gain. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's so true, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So what we'll have to do then, once your book's out there, you're going to have to send me a signed copy and I'll um, shout it out so everyone can get yeah. around it for you. Yeah, I'll do that, mate. Awesome <laughs> yeah. Book, yeah. It, honestly, um, have you got anything final that you'd like to say to our listeners at all about your journey? Or Yeah, you can reach out to me. 
Just not tweeting you out. Yeah. 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 If people feel the need to reach out to me, then do it. But there's so many, there's so many other ways of reaching out out there. But talk to the people that are close to you. You'll probably agree. Yeah. You need to talk to the people that are close to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, they're probably the first people that know there's something wrong. Yeah. Because you're not quite right yeah. in their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Perfect. Anything else you'd like to say? That, no, thanks for having us, mate. No, it's I appreciate, appreciate having Love having hearing your story and um, thank you so much for your service. Honestly, been, uh, you know, it's great hearing some of the stories today has made me a bit emotional just listening to them and what you've put yourself through and all that stuff. So, no, take, take my half to you. Honestly, thank you. really looking forward to reading your book. Absolutely. And um, hopefully seeing you on, um, on on Breakpoint in the near future and uh, yeah. going and doing some adventures. Won't talk too much about that because that's coming up. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, just seeing what we're, um, see what we're going to be up to in the future. Yeah. And um, guys, if you want to, um, how do they get hold of you if they want to come and follow you in your journey? Uh, my Instagram, david.rubband, um, or just type in david.rubband. Yeah. And it comes up. I haven't got Twitter or anything. Awesome. No, that's fine. I'm not up to date with all that. Yeah, yeah. Instagram, I think, is where everyone's at anyway. This day, so reach out to him on Instagram, guys. He's got some awesome content. And if you are going through anything like PTSD, you're a veteran. Um, you know, head over to uh, Rock to Recovery. If you're not a veteran, though, then definitely just get in touch with Samaritans and also talk to your um, local, um, you know, friends, community. And uh, guys, it is not unmacho to not talk about your emotions, you know, there's no yeah. such thing about it. Absolutely. You know, we've got guys that we've spoken to in the last two episodes that are probably in the bracket of what you guys are probably all classes, the, the macho man of being in the, yeah. the forces and special forces. And um, in this case, it's definitely something that you can all talk to. And if so, even if you do have stuff that you want to talk to and you, you fancy talking to our mindset coach, Adrian, as well, uh, from Samuel Co Training, feel free to um, just jump in and email us at hr at samuelandcotrading.com and you can have a chat with Adrian as well about the mindset side of things and he can, he can help assist you and point you in the right direction if you need any help. Thanks guys for an awesome episode. Uh, we have got some crazy guests coming up in the next episode as well, so make sure you stay tuned and we'll see you then. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Awesome.